What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Highlight, a business podcast for only the most serious business people in the world. And uh, today, obviously, so serious right now. I've got the most serious person I've ever met in my entire life. We haven't laughed at all. We're not smiling at all. He's not smiling right now. Uh, we're sharing the highlight today with Walker Dybel. And, and Walker's one of the most interesting men on the planet. And I told him we had to get his accomplishments down to two here for the audience. And, and what they are is he wrote a great book for any entrepreneur or any small business owner out there called Buy Then Build. And he's also the founder of the Acquisition Lab. Walker, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you. Chandler, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to get down and serious with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's so the backstory of that is my business partner is the uh, he's the fun one of our partnership. And early on in the days of starting our company, High Beam Marketing, I was I was so intense all the time. I was just like, we got to go. We got to go. We got to grind. And he was like, bro, if we don't have some fun, like I quit. And I was like, all right, fair enough. So we, we start the episodes that way just as a good reminder, mostly for me yeah, to right. make sure that I'm not <laughs> uh, not going off the deep end with serious, stupid crap that doesn't actually matter at the end of the day. Well, man, thanks for jumping on here. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, I appreciate it. I'd love if you just start us off here with a little bit about who you are and, uh, and, and a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, you know, where, where to start, like, like, like. It's hard to start because you are the most interesting man on the planet. So good you know, luck. This is a hard question. <laughs> Let me throw it at you like this. Um, my life is really a three legs of the same stool. Okay, that's where that's where I spend my career. Uh, the one leg is sort of like the businesses that I've acquired. I started buying companies. I started looking for a company to buy back in two thousand and four. Okay, mm -hmm. um, and then the the second and I've got I've let's see businesses that I've acquired. I think I I think I only have two right now. Um, and then the second leg is everything sort of like buy, then build and acquisition lab related, meaning sort of like the, the buy side or helping entrepreneurs understand there's a better way. Okay. And helping mm -hmm. first time buyers do that. And then the third leg is um, I partnered with quiet light brokerage where I help entrepreneur online based entrepreneurs exit their business. Right. So it's buying, it's selling, and it's kind of like operating the, the businesses that I have. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like a, I love the sport of business. Like I think business is a game and I, I am beyond excited for this interview because I've, I've made, we were talking about it a little bit. I've made so many mistakes. So I have questions and yeah, uh, it's mostly going to be self-serving for me. Good. This interview is not for anybody else. It's just for me, but I'd love to start with, with you, you, you talk about acquisition entrepreneurship all the time. Would you mind defining that for us and sort of explaining a little bit about where it came from and, and what it is? Sure. So acquisition entrepreneurship is just, it's just sort of pushing the, um, the, the boundary of what entrepreneurship means, right? So in other words, mm -hmm. you know, we think about like real estate entrepreneurs, we think about, you know, tech entrepreneurs, we think about, you know, um, you know, even like gig economy entrepreneur, you know, you know I mean, there's these sort of like adjectives that started to slowly come in front Side of the hustles, words. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that like, um, I think that at the end of the day, I'm just a really bad startup guy, right? Like every time <laughs> that I tried to start a business, it failed. And, and I mean, I, we went to, you know, look, I mean, I mean, the book opens with, you know, the, 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 the last real startup that I, that I did, well, I guess other than the acquisition lab, but you know, we were oversubscribed. We, we were in a top 10 accelerator, we had recruited a Microsoft from executive, uh, sorry, a, an executive from Microsoft to be our CEO um, and completely yeah. ran out of money. Right. I mean, the, like just yet again, like I, I couldn't get it to work. And, and what's um, funny about that story in the book to cut you off here was that you had a lot of the like a lot of entrepreneurs that I meet with that start up. They, they, they say, well, I don't have this and I don't have this and I'm, I'm being really scrappy. And I'm sure you guys were still scrappy, but you guys had a lot of 
cards in your hand that were right. positive cards and it still didn't work out, which is crazy. Well, and, and what I'm trying to explain here, Chandler, is that like, this wasn't my first startup. This was the one where I was like, I'm going to do it this time. Like this time I'm going to do all the things. And like, I just like stacked the deck. Right. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't a single effort. I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was a few of us, but, but the point is, is yeah. that, um, we had all of the things to your point and I still couldn't get it to work. Right. And, and, mm -hmm. and eventually you sort of get in this point where, you know, as a startup, you, you, if you have to raise capital, you really are giving away the most valuable thing you have, which is equity in exchange for a little bit of money. And once mm -hmm. you get to the point where, um, you know, you haven't created enough financial return, okay and and a sizable enough piece of the equity has been given away already or sold already okay you mm -hmm. the startups tend to get into this thing where they can't raise any more capital because the entrepreneurs themselves don't have enough equity to make it worth their time anymore right and so yeah. someone's got to come in and fund the thing right and that, that's really where where that kind of ended up right there was too many gotcha. investors too many too many mouths to feed you know and too little traction right with with the, yeah. with the people that that wanted to crush it so the thing is, is that like along the way, really, when I graduated from uh, the Olin School of Business with my MBA, like in 2004, I was like, I was one of the only students that like didn't have a job coming out of school. And people were like, so like, what do you, because I was doing a startup, by the way, that was like so promising and it completely fell apart right at the end. <laughs> so like anyone who yeah. goes to sort of like a ranked university, like knows that like there's always a couple of kids at the end that like don't have a job lined up. And I was that guy. <laughs> Right. Which makes it harder. Right. So, so I was like, look, yeah. and this wasn't even the thing. It was more like, look, I know there's a way to sort of like acquire a small business. I just don't know how to do it. Right. Like I need to find one. And, you know, people are like, what, like, wow, you must have money. That's awesome. I'm like, I don't have any money. And they're like, what? I mean, I don't what. And I was like, yeah, I think you find the business. And then like you just go to the bank and you're like, hey, I found this business. They've been around for 20 years can I have a loan so I can acquire a hundred percent of this company? And mm -hmm. they do it because, you know, there's infrastructure, there's, there's collateral assets there. It's, it's basically a leverage buyout. Right. Yeah. And, and you've got a reputation in a business that's been there for a long time. And, um, people well, it's eliminating like, risk on the bank side of things. Right. Cause that's ultimately all they care about is risk management. It depends what you compare it to. Right. So in other words, yeah. it, the reason startups have to go raise money is because they can't just walk into a bank and get it. And for anyone who's raised money knows it takes like 48 months. It's like two years of your life, which is a complete distraction. Right. Mm -hmm. And guess what? You just gave away your company is what is what you did. Right. And so when you when you buy a yeah. company, it's it's bankable. The funds are available. And um, I mean, you, get, you have to come up with some cash. OK, you can't just like put in no money at all. I want to be very clear about that. There's a lot of like yeah. clickbait out there. It's an advanced tactic. I can even go into it if you want to. But the point is, is I don't want anyone leaving this podcast thinking like, oh, I'm just going to go buy a business and with zero skin in the game. That's that's not going to work well for you. But but the point yeah. around acquisition entrepreneurship was I was I bought this company. The first company I ever bought was a book printing company. OK, and I ran it for about seven years. We were doing about eight million in revenue. And, um, you know, again, before I bought the company, I had started a business after I'd started a business. Like I was in, you know, the entrepreneurs organization and I was, I was, I was active in the accelerator program and I was just in the entrepreneurial community. And what happened was, um, I kept being introduced by entrepreneurs to other entrepreneurs as someone who buys and sells companies. 
And it was in this sort of way, just repeatedly, it was in this sort of way that was like, oh, okay. You know, not so much like he's a finance bro, but more Mm -hmm. like I don't really respect him as an entrepreneur because like he's not really doing what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, gosh, number one, entrepreneurs do not understand what I do because it's exactly what they're doing. Okay, <laughs> I cannot wait. Listen, I would have been early, like three, four years in a running Lyle's barbecue. I would have met you and said the exact same thing. And I will go on the record and say, I would have been so wrong for having said it because, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get into it, but like you were right. And it's so please continue. But yeah, it's I would have 100% been on the yeah, this guy, this guy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. And so like number two, it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like the the reason why I ended up writing by then build was kind of motivated by these sort of like, you're not one of us kind of things. And I wanted people to understand that, that, you know, we are, but more importantly, the thing is, is that like, you know, I, I graduated college and went through grad school, you know, um, between whatever, 99 and 2004. Okay. This was a critical time, a pivotal time of my career. And, you know, in my twenties, like trying to figure out what am I doing? You know, how can I start a business? Do I go corporate? Do I whatever? And it was really during that time that I realized that just by buying an existing company, I was able to completely reverse engineer the startup equation and end up with all the cap, all the stock, right? So it's one of these where um, we've, uh, hopefully we've all seen the money, sorry, the movie Moneyball, okay? And if you've seen that movie, um, if you haven't seen that movie and you're an entrepreneur, stop listening to this podcast and go see it, okay? It's just like Brad Pitt driving around in a truck frustrated because like he can't get his team to do what he wants and the world hates him and like, you know, one man learns what it means to be a hero and like change the sport forever. And he's like, just constantly it. snapping and pointing at Jonah Hill. Like yeah, that's just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, give yeah. me the stats. Gets on base. <laughs> gets on, you know, yeah. why do we like him? He gets Love on that base. Scene. And here's yep. the point. When you acquire an existing business, okay, you are getting on base first. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. You've got revenue. You've got hopefully profitable revenue or else you're not buying the company without some, you know, very discerning, you know, terms. But like you've got profit, you've got revenue, you've got infrastructure, you've got staff. Usually there's some kind of standard operating procedures. And the big thing is you've got product market fit, right? Mm -hmm. So all of the things that we're trying to do as an entrepreneur are already in place, okay? And the the thing is, is that because you can go to the bank and get a loan for, you know, up to 90% of the acquisition, okay? uh, You bring those real estate investor economics, to the startup world, to the business world, right? Mm. So what I wanted to do was teach these entrepreneurs, like, look, I know you're working so hard to build this. And if you make it, great. But there's maybe a different way you should think about it. And Chandler, most of the time that I'm coaching an entrepreneur and they're like, well, wait, how would I think about this? I say, well, okay, what's your business idea? Okay. Sometimes they say, "I, I want to create this thing that doesn't exist and it connects all the whole world in this whole new unique way and sends them to outer space. And I'm like, that's incredible. That's a startup. Like you need in- infrastructure that doesn't exist. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you meet the guy that's like, I'm going to revolutionize the barbecue industry. And uh, you should have been like, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, like anyone who's familiar with Peter Thiel knows like, like it's, it's zero to one or it's N plus one. And the thing is, is, mm-hmm. is, you know, it's like every couple of years I'll see someone in St. Louis start an SEO company. Right. 
I love SEO. I'm very passionate about it. I understand why people kind of hang a shingle and get after it, right? I get it. But mm -hmm. the point is, is they don't have to start because there's already 12 of them here. So like, why don't yeah. you just go around and buy them all up, right? And then you, you can, you, you, the infrastructure is there and you can change it moving forward. So anything that's N plus one, even if you have a certain je ne sais quoi or a certain frame that you want to bring to it, right? The thing mm -hmm. is, is it's usually cheaper to acquire the infrastructure that already exists rather than, you know, create it from thin air. Yeah, because it's used at that point, which is funny. Like, even if it's a SEO company, your your office furniture is still technically used, so you're still going to get a little bit of a better deal on it. I do have a question though. the The N plus one thing. So I've obviously heard of Peter Till's book Zero to One, but I actually it's not back here. Believe it or not, I've okay. never actually read it. I would love. Yeah. Can you unpack what he means by zero to one and N plus one? Because I actually sure. have never heard that. But yeah, no, it's the zero to one part, but not. The yeah. So P Peter Thiel was the co-founder of PayPal. Right. And um, many other things. But but um, that's that's what he's sort of infamous for. Um, as, was he the first investor in Facebook kind of a thing? But whatever. So so yeah, he was um, early in there. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with zero to one is the sort of um, I'm creating something that doesn't exist. OK. Mm -hmm. And N plus one is simply like I'm my company is basically inventing an incrementally better mousetrap. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's hard to um, it's hard to gain market share when you're just creating the mousetrap that's slightly better because everybody's mm -hmm. gonna look at you and be like, well, I've already got this, uh, this legacy product in place, so you want me to change everything I do in my life to do your marginally better thing, which your salespeople are probably doing an okay job of explaining to me anyways. It's yeah. it's a much tougher road to hoe for sure versus like we've completely created a whole new space and, and tried exactly. it out. So I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I get it. But I do like the idea of even if you're going to start an SEO company or in my case, like perfect example. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I used to own a barbecue restaurant. And you and I had talked about it a little bit. But I started that thing by literally getting in a fight with my wife, you'll love this story. So I got in a fight with my <laughs> wife while I was in the Air Force Good because start. we had just got married and I was, I was, yeah, right. You're, this is destined for greatness. So we ended up, we start this, uh, we, we get in a fight because I had a backyard hobby that was barbecuing. And then she looked at our bank account that we combined and she said, you can't spend this much money every weekend on a hobby that I don't really eat and enjoy. And it's like killing me. And so we had one of those early marriage discussions, as I'm sure you're well aware of. And I basically ended the argument with, if I can sell enough to break even, you have to leave me alone. And then that's how <laughs> the company was started. <laughs> so I literally, I went to the office and I was walking around like a weird, you know, barbecue drug dealer with a coat and, you know, opening it up saying like, do you want one of these? And uh, I was giving away samples and I sold enough to break even. And it's the only time I've probably been right in 10 plus years of marriage with her. And uh, I like to bring it up every once in a while. <laughs> but from there, I, I didn't ever want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't really know. I, I, I didn't really know it was an option. I didn't grow up with entrepreneurs or anything like that, but I got the bug. And then I was like, all right, well, the next thing you do is you just, you sell more of it. And then, you know, we, we cash flowed everything and bootstrapped everything and literally started with five grand and a 10 on the side of the road and then found a nice. rehab place. But we grinded for unnecessarily difficult amount of time. Like it was three or four years before we finally sort of figured everything out, which yeah. I'm sure that time frame makes sense to you when you talk to people that are small business owners, because oh, yeah. five years and a million dollars tends to be the like, tipping point for a small business I've seen that sort of mm -hmm. succeeds and goes forward long-term, but, but yeah, but what ultimately happened for us was that we found another barbecue restaurant in Lexington, Kentucky. They wanted to retire. So we basically just bought them out of their lease, which was like 
I think we bought the whole restaurant for twenty grand, and then we okay. put another like eighty into it. Okay. And so you're talking about for a hundred thousand dollars, we we bought a location that was already built, yep. ready to go. People were already used to eating barbecue there, same price point, already proved all the things. So I'm just when I read Buy Them Build uh, six months ago, I just I did one of those things where you just put your head down on the desk and you just go like, oh, this was this was <laughs> this, this is what I was missing. This makes way more sense because. And the reason I want to park here for a second is because the ego, the unhealthy ego of some entrepreneurs, because you have to have a certain level of like ego, I think, to want to be an entrepreneur and, and like I can go do this better than it's ever been done or I can launch something new. And, and that's OK. I think it's a good thing. But we also have to be aware of that sort of uh, dragon in our closet. Right. We can't let it run us. But but you will say, you you know, you, the Moneyball example is great because it's like, hey, you just hit a single or you just walked and got on base. I played baseball in high school like that is like nobody's proud of walking. Like that's not like you, you talk about, I hit a home run. Like that's the thing. Like, you know, when, when, when Brad Pitt's pointing at Jonah Hill and he's like, he just got on base, which means we're going to win. And that's what the, that's what I had to learn at least was, was I don't really care about the story that I'm going to be able to tell everybody, which is a hundred percent ego driven. I just want to be in the sport of business and play it as well as possible. And I think if you do what you're talking about, which is like, I've seen you say, you know, try to find companies that are establishing that five-year mark, maybe a million dollars in revenue or something. And then, and then that's a much better way to get into the game. And I, you know, I, I just want to say thanks for writing the book because it was, it was helpful for me. Cause what we ended up doing was a year ago, I met my partner, we started high beam marketing. And then I realized most businesses just suck at growing sales. So our long-term game plan is you have the central hub of the marketing agency, and then we're going to go buy businesses and just connect them awesome. and then grow their sales and, and then run. So, you awesome. know, I, I'm a, I'm a Walker believer. This Thank is, you. This is great. Thanks, Chandler. I mean, I guess, yeah. you know, what I, what I would add to that is that, you know, you talk to entrepreneurs and we all kind of know that, you know, there's this axiom, but like, you know, that, 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 you know, one out of 10 startups kind of make it, right? When you talk to entrepreneurs, I think that in my experience, most of them say like, yeah, that's high. Right. <laughs> That's it's it's less than one out of 10, you know, but but, you know, it's sort of like, OK, yeah, but, but you know, we all sort of know that it's like high risk. What isn't discussed mm -hmm. is what it looks like when you actually make it. OK. And 96 percent mm -hmm. of all companies in the United States never exceed a million dollars in annual revenue ever. So the point mm -hmm. here. Yeah is that like, you know, when I was getting my MBA, like you would ignore these companies that are like a million dollars in revenue. You're like, that's so small. I can't even like, like analyze it or whatever, yeah. you know, cause it's small, you know, hashtag mm -hmm. SMB. Right. But, but you know, it's one of these where, um, <laughs> where, sorry, I got some, some light here, but so, so it's one of these oh, where, where they, um, as soon as I figured that out, I kind of realized like, oh my God, like a million dollars in revenue is so small. For being so well, when you're doing uh, MBA case studies on multi-billion-dollar companies that totally. spend a million dollars on a Monday, yeah. Well, totally I mean, you, you, even if it's like fifty million, it's like, yeah, that's a business. You know what I mean? But but yeah. like a million, you know, yeah. like what it, what is that? But like, you know, I just want to say, like, my second year of B school, I was walking up and down Whitehall Boulevard here in St. Louis, right? And it's it's like, uh, it's the most ex it's probably the most expensive. Um, uh, neighborhood uh, in in St. Louis, okay, and it's like the big boulevard, and like there are these big grand houses like up and down, and I was looking at them, mm -hmm. and I remember thinking to myself, who lives in these homes? No one here is from Silicon Valley, 
Like, there's no, like, you know, sexy startup in St. Louis that's, yeah. like, living in here, right? Like, and, and then I realized, like, these guys, like, they, like these people must own, like, six subways or, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, one, like um, yeah. I don't know this, but, but you know, I was, I was hanging around um, the Olin School of Business after I graduated, and I would go to these executive things because you'd sort of meet other alumni. And one of the guys that I sat mm-hmm. next to at this one event, you could just see he was so content with the world. He was so content. And I was just like, mm. what do you do? And he was like, oh, I, I, own, I own a uh, like a manufacturing company. And I sort of looked at him and he was very nicely dressed for someone who owned a manufacturing company. And I mean, like, I don't mean like he was wearing like a black tie. I just mean like maybe it was just a sport coat, but like it stood out as being like slightly fashion forward and like ultra expensive, you know? And I was like, well, what, what do you manufacture? And he said, well, do you know those can lights? And he had any point of some in the, in the room. I said, yeah. And he said, we, we make that piece of aluminum or whatever that is the outside of the can light. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And I said, how many, how many companies in the United States do that? And he goes, two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have like, about 20 can it. lights in this house right now. So got I can it. only imagine. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, yeah. and there, there was a guy in St. Louis yeah. um, that, you know, did like, um, you know, street signs, like, like all the street signs for like the state of Missouri. And I was like, what? And then there was a guy mm-hmm. that, you know, like, like Listerine was invented here. Like, I think the fuse was invented here. Like just really sort of, you know, unsexy, boring items that are like in our everyday life, yeah. right? That like cash flow, but like, don't, yeah. don't, don't get magazine covers. And, and then, sorry, one more thing in contrast to the, like, the mm-hmm. sort of like million dollar kind of entrepreneur, you have to look at, you know, what is it that is sort of like swaying the way we're thinking? What is it that is creating this kind of North star of like, you know, innovation and like, you know, like creating zero to one. And it's great. I love the effort, right? But the thing is, is we're looking at, we're looking at entrepreneurs on our magazine covers that are not the one percent, right? This is this is the point zero one percent type of yeah. entrepreneur that makes that magazine yeah. cover. So you know, when we're when we're all out there trying to be Steve Jobs, don't be. Be Elon yeah. Musk. Elon Musk bought. I, Elon Musk acquired yeah. PayPal. Elon Musk acquired and Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. Yeah, and now I guess he acquired Twitter. But like the thing is, is you know, no one was paying attention to the fact that he actually got sued yeah. for calling himself a co-founder of Tesla. He did not start yeah. it, you know. Yeah. So no, I I'm really glad you pointed that out because I remember a very vivid conversation. I was in the the Chow Hall on the Air Force Base in D.C. and I looked at my buddy and I said, I think I can open like a thousand barbecue restaurants, you know, because I had just been reading about Mark Zuckerberg and you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Evan Spiegel at Snapchat and all these other like my age totally. founders of these massive tech companies. And what I never realized was that the, the one of the reasons I really liked the idea of owning my own business was creative freedom and financial freedom. Yeah. I, right. I'm here to tell you, I only needed like four barbecue restaurants in Lexington to hit that mark and be well past it and be one of those guys you mentioned in the, the St. Louis chambers and the, the, the business school yeah. uh, networking stuff. Right. It's, it's uh, you don't need to be on the cover of Forbes. Like that's nice to have, but it's not why you should want to start a business for sure. And I, I definitely uh, suffered from that disease. It would, I mean, we ended up, we ended up getting on a TV show called The Profit on CNBC. I don't know if you know what that is, but it oh was, yeah, of course I do. It's Marcus basically like, yeah, yeah. So we ended up getting on that show, which was like at the time. I remember thinking, I'm like, this is it. This is like why, like, this is one of the reasons I started the business. This is great. Da da da. And then through that whole process, I realized like, oh, 
we're still just running the business. Like this is still just business day to day. Like there's like the cameras leave and then stuff still has to happen. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's no amount of success from a media coverage standpoint that will ever help you break away from the day-to-day grind or monotony of running a business slash leading people, product market fit, all those things never go away just because you hit this media milestone. So did Marcus try to buy a percentage of your company? Uh, no. So we ended up with a, um, we were going to launch a new, like we launch a new like barbecue sauce line with my mom. We branded her as mama Lyles. And then, um, I ended up through the course of the show, I got hired to go work with Marcus on his food brand for six months or something. So, awesome. uh, it was a great experience. I had fun. TV is fun. Like I will say like that was a fun time, but, uh, but it didn't change the way we did our business. Like I still had my dishwasher call out sick on Saturday night, the following right. weekend after it aired. And so totally, I was still yeah. in the middle of the, no. the day-to-day running of it, you know, totally. it's, it's wild. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've spent the first, you know, 20 minutes here. We got that entrepreneur believing in, all right, I, I'm going to go do an acquisition. I'm going to explore acquisition entrepreneurship versus mm-hmm. a startup, especially because I'm not creating the next Facebook or whatever. So like, what are some of the things you advise people to look for when they're acquiring their first deal or they're starting to source some of their first deals, you know, is it, do I need to be experienced in that industry? Do I need to, you know, is it, is it financing that's most important? Like how do you approach that first like four or five deals that you're looking at? Yeah. So, you know, I think since we're kind of anchoring in comparison to startups, let's start there. Okay. Anyone, Hmm. anyone who's ever tried to raise money knows that it's only partially due to the idea or the branding or whatever. Okay. And, and what people, what people invest in are the entrepreneur or the people behind it. Right. And what does that mean? Well, it means that if you happen to have a startup that, um, you know, sort of accelerates usage of Microsoft SharePoint, that'd be really nice if you had an executive from Microsoft on your team leading at a CEO, right? So you got to like match those kind of things up. Like, so a lot of career experience, are the little things that that make the big difference when it comes to to you know selling investors on on your equity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you are going out to buy a business, you know, look, when I first started writing buy then build, it took me four and a half years to write this book, Chandler. Okay, and the thing is, is like, I didn't realize that. Wow. What I yeah it, yeah I mean, just to be clear, I spent ten years. I got the idea for the book in two thousand four because their book there's no book there. I was like, what, like, this is so like, it's opaque, it's fragmented, like all the everyone's valuations seem to be all over the place. Like, I can't tell if it's a, you know, in acquiring these small businesses, if you're familiar with the terms felt even a little bit like a pig in a poke. Do you know what that is the British term? Like, you just don't know, you don't know what you got in the bag that you bought, you know, like, yeah. so, so it's, it's like, it, there was just so much of that. And it was like, why is there no nowhere to go? Like, what's the resource, right? And so, but I was like, well, I can't write the book. I haven't done it yet. And so I bought a company. I ran it for seven years. I ended up exiting to an acquisition target, someone who I was trying to acquire, um, did another startup, did another startup, failed, right? And then I I ended up buying another six companies over that next, you know, three years or whatever, right? And, um, and I was, and I'm, I'm looking at one now. I might buy, I might buy one now, but we'll see. But, but, um, uh, so the point is that, And then, in, in, in you know, I spend multiples of my net worth, tens of millions of dollars acquiring businesses, okay, a decade mm-hmm. plus of my life living it, figuring it out, and uh, then spent four and a half years writing the book, okay, I wrote it, by the way, six times, 
from scratch. Okay. Finally, I feel like I got it right. Okay. Anyway, and I, I should have put it on my desk, but it's not a thin book. This is not like a hundred pages and it's not 15, 16, 20 point font. It's like, it's, it's, it's dense. Yeah. It's got a lot of info. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, yeah, it's it, Thank you. Um, so, uh, and dense in a good way. I, I, that's a bad no, right. no, marketer, no, brander, but no, it's, it's, it's like, I, yeah, I really set out to write the single best book on, you know, acquisition entrepreneurship that could ever be written. Um, I hit Wall Street Journal bestseller actually just a few weeks ago. USA Today bestseller a few I weeks ago. I saw that. Great. That's great. Yeah. And, and the book's been around, the book's been an Amazon bestseller for four years. And all of a sudden, it was, it was kind of a nice shot in the arm, right? But, you know, here, look, I don't mean to be praising myself. The point is, is I started by saying, how can I approach this like in a way that Jim Collins would, right? Like, I'm just going to go interview a whole bunch of people and try to like discern best practices and like whatever. And the, the problem Chandler was that everyone I talked to was so different, right? It was like, Oh yeah, well this happened. And then that happened or, you know, or what, or like, I just found it because I, I was working with this broker or I found it cause like my buddy knew a guy or what, you know, whatever it was. And then, and then it was like, okay, so what are all the ways? And then what are, what makes it strong or weak or whatever? And then I started to realize, okay, I can't, find best practices because there isn't this massive amount of statistically significant stuff in this like mm -hmm. very nuanced labyrinth of a space. Okay. So instead of approaching it that way, what I'll do is I'll come up with concept vehicles, right? I'll come up with ways to help people frame what it is they're looking at. Right. So mm -hmm. in the book, I think it's in chapter three, maybe there's like a, um, an AE matrix. And it's just the four quadrants of like, when I'm looking at a business to buy, is it a value play or is it a growth play, right? And, and so it's sort of like I had that on my whiteboard for over a year trying to figure out what the hell the right quadrants were. <laughs> now you read it in five seconds, you're like, oh, yeah, it's so, so, <laughs> duh. Yep. You know, it's almost like, why yeah. didn't I draw that? But, but, but the point is, is like, so I just tried to come up with these frameworks. And um, you could have just asked that new fancy AI chat GPT. It probably would have just like spit something out <laughs> in five seconds. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember what the question was, Jim. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like, well, you ended up, you ended up, so you have the, the quadrant is how you're framing those initial goals. Oh, and that's sort oh, of the advice. Were, you give yeah. What were people doing deal. wrong? Right. So then I started yeah. saying, what are, what is everyone doing wrong? And, and I realized that really myself, when I was talking with brokers, the line of questions, they would all ask me. Okay the great ones and the terrible ones would all sort of like ask me the same sort of set of questions. And so that wasn't what was differentiating them. Right. But then I started thinking about like, well, how, why is this whole thing wrong? In other words, if you went somewhere and said, listen, um, I used to, I used to work in the barbecue space immediately in their head. They're like, okay, Chandler's looking for a barbecue, something barbecue. Right. And then I'd be like, mm -hmm. are you looking for a restaurant or like a product or like, you know, what's the deal? And it's like, that has nothing to do with it, right? Like the way that the way that you need to identify if something is a right fit for you in this space is you need to first understand what it is that you bring to the table as the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Going back to the analogy of like, is the investor going to believe in you because you bring something to the table? Okay, so what do you do best? And how is the company going to benefit with you as the owner and CEO? Okay, mm -hmm. if you understand that, you're already halfway to goal. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Nine out of 10 people that start looking for a business to acquire, never find one. 75% of people who raise funds to run a two-year search never close on a business. Really? Yes. Why? Is it, is it just because they, they don't go at it the they wrong way? Them? They go at it the wrong way, yeah. right? Now, now, by the, well, okay. There's one other thing I want to say there. If you raise funds 
to run a search. Okay. It's technically called a, it's, it's, it's a search fund, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, mm -hmm. um, yeah. it's a traditional search fund. What happens is that all of those investors in theory are investing in what it is that you buy. Okay. And search mm -hmm. fund investors are very specific with the types of businesses they want. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you said, if you call them and said, listen, I want, I want a barbecue, I want this barbecue restaurant, that's probably not going to fit in their little model. Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is like when, if Chandler, if I give you, let's just say you're like, Hey, I want to go search for a business for a couple of years, Walker, and you'll be my investor. And when I find it, you're going to, you're going to invest in my company. I'll give you a little extra equity, blah, blah, blah. And then you can be on my board. Okay. I'd be like, I love it. I love it. And then I say, you know, where do you live? And you're like, I live in this expensive, you know, place in Boston. And I just graduated with, from my Ivy League school. So like, I need a lot of money. I'd be like, that's cool. I'll give you a hundred thousand a year. Chandler, here's $200,000. I just bought two years of your life. Okay. That's what I just bought. Okay. Don't yeah. make no mistake. That's what you just sold. Okay. And time. I want you to bring me the business that I want you to get a return on. Right. And so yeah. when you go out and do it yourself, Okay, you create immense freedom in terms of the scope of what you're able to bring. So when you look at the AE matrix, you've got um, eternally profitable in that in that lower mm -hmm. left hand corner. That that's what search fund investors are looking for. They want something that's like, you know, like salt salt trucks and snow shovel and you know corporate window washing and just like you know business you know services with like low capital intensiveness and you know you know like like uh hope not really market dependent per, yeah preferably yeah. b2b preferably fragmented like like just no technological um threats coming in or or mm -hmm. you know replacements coming in and um lately the last like 18 to 24 months there's been a slight emphasis on something that can be tech enabled right because because mm -hmm. now they're starting to say like okay what is the growth opportunity right yeah. So really, look. The answer yeah, to the I mean, question is looking at yourself and understanding what you bring to the table. Yeah. Well, that that that's a good point to segue to the next question I had, which was: Are you are are the best acquirers working in the business day to day, or are they primarily just sitting in that sort of like board member seat, and then they put a good CEO yeah. or manager in place, depending on the size of the business? Like, which one yeah. tends to work out better? Yeah. Look, I like. You know, if I were um, wanting to promote this concept and have a lot of people make bad decisions that are not going to be good for them, I would give the sexy answer, which is buy a business and don't even mm -hmm. go to work, man. Put a manager in there. You're good. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Here, here. Okay. So here's the thing. Like even, even, even two weeks ago, I was, um, I, I even started teaching um, entrepreneurship through acquisition at my alma mater at Olin. And I, I quit because oh, cool. I was running the acquisition lab and like, it was sort of like, it was just, it didn't, uh, at the acquisition lab, we've just, we've just helped um, uh, over 300 entrepreneurs uh, close on over a hundred million in business transactions. Sorry, our group That's is awesome. now 350 strong. Yeah. So, so we're having like cool. great success over there, but um, I, I went to go speak at Olin recently again. And I'm talking to all these mm -hmm. MBA students and I'm talking about like, look, I know you guys all want to start up, but like, you got to at least understand that this is here, check it out. And mm -hmm. one of the students raised her hand and said like, okay, but like, how do I do what you're doing? Like, how do I own like all these companies? Like, so I buy one, exactly your question. 
do I buy one? And then like, I put a manager in and then I go buy another one. And I was like, no. And then the professor laughed. The professor, by the way, has, you know, started a company, grew it for, I think, seven years and sold it for 30 million. Okay. And now he's working as an independent sponsor, raising capital, buying companies, da, da, da. and he laughed and he goes, and he, and he goes, everyone is trying to fast forward to be me and Walker. And like, you can't, and I couldn't have said it any better. If you yeah, buy 20 a company, years later. Yeah. If you buy, I'm, I'm 46 years old. Like I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Right. Like I, like yeah. I, I guess I literally wrote the book on it. Like, you know, it's one of these things like, <laughs> right. You know, it took you four years to write the book on it alone. Yeah, totally. And, you know, so, not so counting the experience. Where, yeah. It's one, it's one of these where when you buy a company, especially if you are using like an SBA loan, right. Which has a personal guarantee on it. Okay. Yep. Do not put someone else in place on your personal guarantee and walk away. So a couple of things yeah. are going to happen. Number one, when the going gets hard, that person's leaving. Number two, you have no idea how to operate the business. Number three, if things are good, you have no idea how to operate the business. So they've got you over a barrel. And guess what happens? Mm -hmm. your, your expenses start going up. Where's all the risk? It's now on the owner of the business because whoever yeah. is operating it is the one with all the power, right? And, and, and yeah. all the control. And I'm not saying it's even, there's no, not, it doesn't even have to be malicious intent. It's just sort of like, look at the incentives. Like my incentive is to operate the business and just make sure that like, you don't go bankrupt this month. And if I do yeah. good, then, you know, I should get some cash. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's what well, you said it perfectly. It is a non-sexy answer, but it is an honest answer. And I was, I was curious about which way it would go. Cause I was going to argue with you if you put it out the other way, but I, no. cause I, I just know from. The barbecue restaurant, the days like we would take two weeks off and, and early on and we'd have great managers in, but I'd come back and just after two weeks of being gone, I would see slippage all around me. So totally. We were, we were just at that million dollar revenue mark and we had, had like 25 people that were employed with us and it was just getting to the point where we could leave for two weeks at a time. And, you know, I've seen, I mean, the internet's great, but you see so many gurus out there, right, that are putting out content and they're like, hey, build your business in a system so you can leave for a month. And it's like, you should not do this. If you want to leave for a month, you should just do something else. Like, I don't, I don't know, like go work in sales for five years and crush it. And then, you know, Take a month go off. retire. So, Cause you invested in the S and P or something, but I, this, I don't disagree this is not for people that don't want to work. Yeah, yeah. So I, I frequently call it the most engaged life possible, right? Like when you are when you are an owner and you're an operator or you're an entrepreneur, however you want to splice this up. Let's let me say a successful entrepreneur, okay? Like somebody who's actually hit sustainability in their business. The thing is, is that you like life is never the same ever again, okay? Because you start to realize, like, wow, it there's no other analogy better than the matrix. Like it's like you just break out of the matrix. It's like I don't need a job. Like I can I can create you know, work and, and revenue and, 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 um, and money, right? Like, you know, different levels, but, but it's sort of like, you can create all of that, like, you know, just by, by getting out there and hustling and doing deals and creating things out, just add value. Right. And if you're in the service yeah. of others, like the money will come. And the thing is, yeah. is like, if you are a business owner, that business breathes when you breathe, it runs when you run, right? Like it's, it's mm -hmm. just, you cannot separate that ownership. And so the thing is, is that when business is bad, your soul is bad, right? <laughs> and when business is good, your soul is good. And the opposite is also true. You can, you direct your business, right? It is, mm -hmm. there's 
all I can say is that when you own a company, it's like you, especially if you buy it, okay, you are the star of your own movie, okay? Mm. And like the downside is really bad, but the upside is really amazing. And everyone just wants to know, are you going to save the world or are you going to let it, you know, the aliens destroy it? Right. And so like, if I'm sitting here watching your movie Chandler and I'm wondering, like, I just want Chandler to save the world. And you're like, dude, like, I just want to bounce and like run my company from like the beach with my laptop. It's like, first of all, if you're going to the beach with your laptop, stop, (laughs) just go to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) I think it goes back to intentionality. It's like, why, why would you like if that's what you want, I, I'm happy for you, and I want you to want that. But don't also want to run a business. They're two different lives. Two different like things. Just man. two different. Yeah, yeah, it's like you can you can be very happy. Um, you know, there's the this old analogy is making the rounds on the internet nowadays, and I don't know if you have seen this, but it's the fisherman analogy. You know, where he's like fishing and he's stopping at five to go hang out with his family after he catches oh, yeah. a certain amount of fish, and you know, everybody's like, somebody comes along and says, "Hey, you should start a." a business catching fish and then work for 20 years so you can retire to sit on the beach with your family and eat fish. And it's like, he's already got what he wants right now, but at least he's self-aware. And I do think, you know, I think we're coming out of a 10 year run where a lot of people have gotten into the business space that didn't necessarily ultimately want that they were looking for something else, or maybe they were sold a dream that, you know, wasn't real. Um, And it's sad because it is expensive and it's a, um, it will, uh, it's fine. Like personal guarantees are real. And, um, when the, the rent is due, it is a, the house that they come after. So in, in the acquisition lab. So with the acquisition lab, I really just like, I had all these people, right. I mean, you know, I, I I think I've sold 70,000 copies so far and, you know, people call me all the time and they're like, Hey, can I just meet with you? And like, I want to talk about buying a business. And I'm like, like if I just met with everybody, like I wouldn't be able to do anything. You know? So I started yeah. the acquisition lab just to do that. It was like, okay, let's, let's engineer, like what would a world-class program look like to help people sort of, you know, get, mm-hmm. get to this goal. And then how do we make it very affordable and all these other things. Right. And so, so the thing is, is that I put everyone through this intensive before they're able to, to run with the other group. Okay. I want everyone up to speed on, on all of our stuff. Right. And at the very end, after they've sort of like, you know, obviously it's also vetted. So you have to apply and like, there's all this stuff. And then once you get in and then you go through the intensive, then mm-hmm. I have an ask me anything session. I never, I've never seen this publicly mm-hmm. during that talk. I always have what I call the, the Mr. Miyagi talk where I'm like, you mm-hmm. can't do this. Like just paint the fence. Like, let me tell you how mm-hmm. can I cuss on this show? Yeah, go for it. Let me tell you how fucking bad it is to be a business owner, right? And you just lean in. And I'm like, let me explain when I almost went bankrupt. Let me explain when 40% of my workforce walked out in one day. Two different events, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's just like, yeah, it's it's really terrible. But <laughs> well, it's, but it's it's what's funny. Like, it's, it's nothing better for us. No, but it, it is. It's like if you, better. if you can't help but do it, if you know you're the type of person that can't help but do it, you'll know. And And how right. I know that I'm in the game is like, we ultimately tried a new concept with the restaurant. It was not a barbecue restaurant. It was called Nash's. It was a 250 seat restaurant, 5,000 square feet. It was huge. It was basically like being really good at basketball and then also thinking you could be really good at baseball. And Hmm. it was a totally different thing. And we started it up from scratch. We didn't, it wasn't, uh, we didn't buy an operating business that was already running. So I still hadn't learned the lesson. (laughs) 
And, you know, I'm glad we're friends now so that I can just, anytime I get this itch from now on, I'm calling you first and I'm just like, Hey, (laughs) I need you to talk me off this ledge because I'm about to really do something stupid. Mm -hmm. But ultimately what we went from 20 employees to 70 employees in 30 days and launched this, it was a crazy story and it, it resulted in catastrophe. It was financial catastrophe. It took us completely out of the game and ended up starting a chain of dominoes that killed the barbecue restaurant. We had spent six years and hundreds of thousands of hours grinding and building and it was just gone and it was gone in, you know, 90 days. And, um, it took me about two years to sort of like reset and, and, and calm down and look at what happened. I had to figure out what went wrong and, and grow myself. But you know, now a year later or a year ago, I got back into the game and, and I just can't help myself. And my wife looked at me the other day cause she's not wired like this. And she said, why, like, why would you do this? And I'm like, I wish I, I wish I couldn't, I wish I didn't have to, like, I really mm-hmm. wish that I promise, but I, I can't help it, but not. And I think if you're wired that way and you're interested in entrepreneurship acquisition, or I'm sorry, acquisition entrepreneurship, definitely check out what Walker's got going on over at the Acquisition Lab. It's a really cool program. I mean, if you're if you're curious and you're not ready to commit the money, I mean, the book is amazing too. So, it is. But I, I believe in, in community. So I think getting involved in the lab is a really good idea for somebody who wants to explore this. So, I mean, man, I appreciate me, you coming on the show. This is look, great. Look, I know I know the book is $17. Let me even take it lower. There's tons of free resources on buythenbuilt.com. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, yep. it's all, and you know, go listen to Chandler's podcast and rock it. <laughs> oh man, this is, this is great. We'll make sure to link it up. Is there anything else you want to go over before I let you go, man? No, I'm great, Chandler. Thank you. It's your show, bro. This was awesome, man. I appreciate you so much, Walker. We appreciate everybody that was listening this week. We will see you next time. Peace.